0: Hey there, Omaha! Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin, and this episode is brought to you by my sponsor, Certified Piedmontese. I have a great offer for you, so stick around later in the episode. I want to get that to you. But first, let's get to my guest today. I just I think it's so difficult to find a restaurant that is completely unlike anything else in omaha but my guest today has achieved that i mean where else are you going to find momo which are nepalese dumplings burmese ramen and tea leaf salad all in one location that's it the inner rail food hall kathmandu momo station which is run by agya subetti agya welcome to the show
1: Thank you, Dan, for such a great intro. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here.
0: And I'm very excited to have you on. Uh, One of the reasons that I'm so pumped to have you here today is you can introduce us as a listening audience to a new cuisine that we haven't covered on this show before, and that's Burmese food. So we're going to get into your background. We're going to get into Kathmandu Momo Station. We're going to talk about all that stuff. But I think we need to start at a base level. How would you define Burmese cuisine?
1: Hi. Burmese cuisine is very close to heart for me. It's comfort food to me. Um, It has, like, variety, variety of dishes, from, like, noodles to, like, fermented dishes to cold noodle salads to, like, brothy stuff, tofu salads, um, which has a lot of garlic, a lot of garlic, Uh, a lot of variety of ingredients, like lentils, Onions, cabbage, very, like, refreshing, crisp, like, a lot of, a lot of ingredients goes into Burmese cuisine. And it, a lot of it is, like, done from scratch. So it's it's different. It's very different than what we're used to. How,
0: how is it different?
1: Um, Like, eating, like, Nepalese food or Indian food, even, like, food that I am very, like, grew up eating. It's, like, rice, lentils, like, curry, you know. Burmese food, you make a million (laughs) toppings and then you have this one primary dish you make and all the toppings go on it depending on the taste. And they all blend in amazingly and give you like this experience of like burst of flavors.
0: Mm -hmm. I know that your family has some serious roots and history in Burma, this is um, this food is something that is very important to you throughout the generations, really. What does it mean for you to be able to share this cuisine with just a whole new swath of people in Omaha? Because I could be mistaken, but I can't think of anywhere else in the city, at least that I've encountered, that's serving Burmese food.
1: There actually are a couple, or I think there's one other Burmese restaurant in town. Okay. But it it's... Honestly, it's family legacy to me. It's how my grandma used to make it. It has my twist to it, but that's how, like, this is the food that I grew up eating. And I was a very picky eater as a kid. Like, I just did not want to eat rice and lentils every day. (laughs) I did not. I was a very picky eater as a kid, and whenever... Like, you would smell a lot of garlic in the house. The house was stinking with, like, dried shrimp smell or, like, dried fish. That is the day I would eat a good meal. (laughs) So my mom always, like, made a joke, like, whatever you want to feed her, you have to make the house stink. So (laughs) I already, like, was in love as a kid with Burmese food. And, like, growing up, I never, like, bothered learning how to, like, cook it. I just loved my grandma. Like Both sides of my grandma are amazing cooks, and they both have Burmese history or background, and I loved whatever they made, but yeah, I was like, I did not just want to eat regular meal. I wanted Burmese food since I was growing up, and in past few years, I really have gotten very like close to my grandma and Ways of, like, learning how she cooked, what all she used, her ingredients, her technique of cooking. And when I decided to actually, like, okay, let's share this with the world, then I had a lot of pressure, (laughs) like, uh, because nobody in my family has done it before. And I was like, I'm going to do it. So there was a pressure that, okay, am I going to be able to live up to, like, I don't know if there's an expectation, like, you know, from your family, from people that know me that have eaten the food, because I did tweak a little, change things here and there, did it my way thinking this might work better here for, based on the palette of like, you know, American um, customers, clients. So there was pressure, but it is like, in a way, like family legacy to me and, even though nobody really put that pressure on me, there was a pressure. <laughs> and, yeah, I wanted to do it right. It took a while, and we're still learning. I'm still making changes, still doing little things here and there. But I think, I think I'm think i on the right path right now.
0: <laughs> and from what I've tasted, I would definitely say so.
1: <laughs> now, man. you
0: said something really interesting there in that this is food that you grew up Eating and it was very special to you. And you said you, you know, you learned from your grandma her recipes, but you've made little tweaks here and there to kind of um, adjust to the American palate. How do you like what's that balance between making those tweaks and making the dish uniquely yours, but not straying so far away that you know you're still. You're still cooking her food. You're still honoring that tradition. Mm-hmm. What's that balance like?
1: Well, um, a few things. Like, I've honestly never been to Burma. Like, my grandparents have. My Both my parents were Burm, uh, born in Burma. But um, I've never been there, so I've never eaten food how it's, like, actually made there. But I've eaten, like, my grandma's version of it, like, both my grandma's versions of it. So there where some things like you know, like one of the example is like mohinga, which is my fish broth ramen. It is unofficially the national food of Burma, I guess. But it, when when I how I was like grew up eating it is like it has very like strong fishy smell to it. But from what I have noticed or talked to people or eaten around here. I know that not everybody appreciates that. You know, it's a very, like, refined palate kind of thing. It's not, like, easy to go. Not everybody likes it. So I needed to learn ways to, like, tone that down, but still have that, like, fishiness, I guess, to it, but don't want to overwhelm people with that big flavor or that smell to kind of, you know, overpower. And, oh, I don't want it. And... Other things would be like Burmese cuisine, we use a lot of like fried ingredients, like fried lentils, fried garlic, fried shrimp, like a lot of things are fried. So I didn't want to like kind of make it overpowering and unhealthy in a like certain way, I guess. So I found other ways of making like cooking. So instead of frying, I started roasting things and tasting if it tastes the same, if it gives the same flavor, So just changing things here and there, adding more veggies to it. So yeah, so I didn't want to take the, how do I say, it, the essence of what it actually is or how I remember like the nostalgia that I have. I still wanted to share that with everybody, so don't take it all away. But at the same time, I don't want to serve you like a greasy bowl of like super fishy ramen. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. So... I think another maybe slight difference, and maybe this is just in naming alone, but your pop-up is, is or slash business is called Agia's Burmese Ramen. But I've been told that it's really more of like a Burmese noodle soup than a traditional ramen. And that's kind of, it's a very subtle difference, but there is a difference there. So your dish isn't exactly what most Om might expect to get from, Ramen, I guess like what what are the similarities and what are the differences between here's what Omaha expects from Ramen and the Burmese noodle soup that you're putting out
1: so the name in the first place when we decided to do um Burmese ramen is that was the closest thing that I could um find relatable to like a brothy noodle. Um, that everybody would look and see like, oh yeah, like when they see it, like see ramen, they think of like, okay, it's a noodle in broth, like, so that was the closest thing, so that is why we picked ramen, because I don't think if you would go to Burma or a Burmese restaurant and ask for a Burmese ramen, you would, they would understand it, (laughs) because it goes by like, there are names like mohinga or onukoswe, or like all those names, so, That was how the name changed but the main similarity is I think in a lot of cultures there is different versions of ramen so it's noodles, certain different kind of noodles in a broth but with Burmese um, and like Japanese or Korean ramen you would think of is the differences is the broth so from what I understand Japanese ramen and Korean ramen they are a lot like pork or miso based or all that with Burmese it's a lot like coconut milk or banana stems or, like, fish or rice flour, chickpea flour. Like, there are a variety of different kind of noodles, broths uh, that you can make. And it has, like I said, like a billion of toppings in it. So
0: So, uh, I love that you brought up the broth there because Mm -hmm. I think that is the absolute key that really sets – this dish off. I mean, to be clear, the noodles very well cooked, every protein that I've had, especially the shrimp is very good with it. But that broth it's just like so deep and complex. Like even after you finish all the, all the noodles, and and like you said, all the toppings that go along with it, I just want to take that bowl up Bro. to my lips and just be like, I'm not wasting any of this broth. This is so good. What like, I, d- without like, giving away all the secrets what's the process that goes into developing that deep of a flavor
1: I think all the ingredients that goes into it and a lot of like we put a lot of work into it Um, for either one of the brats we try uh, to do most of the ingredients in-house like from scratch like I make my own vegetable stock which adds a lot of flavors flavor to both the brats and um, the process of cooking the fish to go into the fish broth that has a lot of like ingredients that goes in it. And uh, same thing, like I take time to make the broth. We cook the broth for at least like a couple hours until it's like ready to be served. And I like, no matter like you have a recipe down and you pass it on to your team and be like, this is exactly how it's supposed to be done. This is exactly how many minutes I want you to cook it. It there's no guarantee it's going to taste the same every time everybody makes it. So I always make them taste it, taste it, taste it. It has to taste same every time. So taste it. So sometimes I think they get annoyed by me every time I go in the kitchen. i like, did you taste it? Did you taste it? And then I taste it and they'll be like, Yes, we did. So like it's it's I just take them. Don't rush. Don't rush use all the ingredients properly, take your time to cook them. You have to cook them so you just can't, like, add ginger and garlic and tomatoes and onions and just, like, cook it all. No, take your time to cook that so the flavor comes out. Now you put another ingredient and in. let that cook. Then I just said, take your time, let the food, like, do its thing and bring its flavor out. You just have to give it time. And, yeah, that's, like, I think I just give time for all my ingredients to bring the flavors out.
0: Now, I want to obviously the ramen I think is is the highlight of the uh inner real location of Kathmandu Thank along you. with the momo of course, those are delicious, but I want to highlight at least one more menu item and that is the tea leaf salad because Sagar Gurung who is the owner of Kathmandu momo station he keeps telling me I have to try it. You've now it I, I'm I'm so addicted to Momo and now to your ramen that I have a very difficult time coming in and ordering anything that's not one of those two things, but I, w- I want you to sell me on it now. What What is this tea leaf salad and what makes it a must-try item the next time I come into the interrail? Oh,
1: yeah. I'm surprised you haven't tried it yet.
0: I should. I yeah. just, I can't get away from the ramen now. It's, it's too good. Anyway, tea leaf salad, sell yeah. me.
1: From what I know or how much I have like followed and seen you, I know that you're a foodie and you have a very refined palate.
0: Oh, well, I can you. guarantee
1: you that you're going to love it. It's tea leaf salad is basically like fermented tea leaves. Um, Then you, we just season it with like a lot of veggies. It has like cabbages, onions, cilantro, all of that. Plus a lot of mixed nuts, sesame oil, sesame seeds. So it has a lot of ingredients in it. So like every bite you take, like you're tasting, you are going to taste all those nuts, all the sesame seeds, that oil, it uh the fermentation if you are into like fermented food you like i i love tea leaf salad it i can eat it as a side dish with my rice or i can just eat it as lunch or like any day every day all day i can eat tea leaf salad all the time it's very refreshing very um crunchy with all the nuts and veggies and it's you can make it spicy, which I definitely recommend. I love spicy, yes. <laughs> Add a little chili oil to it. There we go. Yeah. It's it's not too big. It's tea leaves. Like it's made out of like green tea, like fermented tea. So you don't wanna overdo it, but just like even a little the side of it. I think you should definitely try it, Dan.
0: Okay, you sold me. <laughs> Next time I come in, I'm still getting Momo because I'm not yeah. I'm not messing around. I'm not crazy, but I'll I'll get some you tea leaf to salad tea to go along salad. with it. Yep. Sounds good. Um, I want to get into your background a little bit now and learn a, a little bit yeah. more about Agia. How did you get into cooking originally?
1: Oh, well, I don't have a very fancy like journey. Like, unlike my husband, I didn't go to culinary school or anything. I just enjoyed cooking. Not not until I actually moved here, um, because I grew up with my pe- uh, grandparents. I went to boarding school, so I didn't really have that time to learn or necessity, I guess. I, my grandma always cooked, and I loved her cooking, so I never had to go in the kitchen. The only time I would go in was to eat. And the only thing by the time I graduated high school, I think I knew to make like confidently, was an omelet and tea. That was about it. <laughs> but when I moved here uh, in 2007, I had to like start cooking for myself and I did not like what I was cooking, but I just kept kept at it. Like I would just make this and that and that and I just kept getting better at it, I guess, just cooking at home. And actually, at, like maybe after like 20. 15-ish was when I was actually like trying to experiment things and recipes and looking online for things just for me and my husband or sometimes for friends or for like dinners or something. I'd just be cooking and I would enjoy it. I just like to have the kitchen for myself. I don't want anybody interrupting me or getting in my way, but I just want to do my thing. This, this is my space. Let me be. And um, in 2018 was that when that big change happened. I went to Nepal. The original plan was I was going to go back for like three months. I wanted to spend some time with family, but some other things happened, and I was there for like nine months. Oh, so wow. yeah yeah, three to nine and um that was not in the plan, but I decided to make the best out of it. I'm just going to spend a lot of time with my family. I'm going to travel Nepal, go to parts that I've not seen. So at that time was when I actually like spent a lot of time with my grandma in the kitchen. And I just started asking her questions and writing things down and writing her recipes down. And I also got to spend some time with my dad's side of uh, the family. So grandma I asked her questions, my aunt on that side. And um I just started writing things down. I didn't try cooking them when I was back there, but I did have a few recipes when I came back. So when I came back I just cooked for Divish, my husband at home, and he always appreciates my cooking. He always did. And I when I came back I was broke at that point. I was spent nine months in Nepal, so I told Divish I have one job, but this is not going to do it. I want to do something, like, on the side, like, just want a little side hustle, something. And Sagar then, whom I have known for a long time, was doing, like, Momo pop-ups and all that. And I was very fascinated by all that idea and everything he did. So I just approached him and said, hey, you want to do a ramen, like, pop-up? Like, you want to do a Burmese food pop-up? And he was all in. Like, that's all I had to And He was all in. I was like, no, please, eat my food first. <laughs>
0: Try it.
1: <laughs> I was nervous. So invited them over for dinner. He ate it. Like, he just took a couple bites. He's like, we're doing this. And I was like, let's just do a pop-up. <laughs> I'm not sure. Let's just do, like, little baby steps. And he was the one. He's like, no. Like, we will do pop-ups, but you got to take this seriously. Like... I see potential in your food, and I think people are going to like it. And he was the one who kind of pushed me. Then we did a few pop-ups at Himalayan Java, then at Block 16, Ban Mi Shop. Then we got a lot of mixed reviews. Some of them were harsh, some of them were good. But then I realized, okay, I am kind of gaining interest of people. Like, a lot of people are kind of liking this. I just got to make some changes here and there, and I think this is gonna work. So that's when I started doing lunch from Blackstone location, Momo Station. And um, some days we did good, some days we did not, but I was enjoying the process. I was enjoying the process, I was learning. I didn't think I was going to like that. I didn't know how the ownership worked or, you know, I have worked in service industry for a long time, but I didn't know what working for myself was going to be like. (laughs) So while doing all that, Sagar kept pushing me. I was added. The US was always behind me, and then inner rail happened. So and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. All right.
0: Uh, I want to. I want to back up a little and unpack all the different parts of this story because there's. It's just. It's such a cool story to listen to. happened listen in to. a short
1: time. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's crazy. A couple a of years. Time. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you mentioned that. You know, your grandmas and your family, like, they, the, when they cook this food, it's just for family. They're, mm-hmm. they're not selling it or anything. Yep. So, as you start doing these pop ups, I'm assuming you, you told them yep. that, that, that you were doing this. What was their response? Were they excited? Were they like, really? Like, well, what, what did they say?
1: my uh like I'm very close to like closer to my mom's side of the family more I mostly grew up with them and that's that my grandma my mom's mom she is she has a big influence on my life my food everything I do and she is very open-minded for like her generation she is always like go for it do it like don't ever stop yourself so When I was like taking all these recipes from her and talking, I was telling her, like, maybe I'll go back and like try to do something with it. And she was all in, but like, I don't think anybody really took me seriously back then. But when I came in and I told them I'm doing pop ups, they had a lot of questions. They were like, "Like Burmese food? You think people will like it? (laughs) And they kept asking me, so you're doing this and you're adding this to the ingredient? You can find those ingredients there? I was like, yeah, like, I'm going to give this a try and see how it goes. And they were very excited. And after, like, a couple pop-ups, I told them, like, what the responses were like and all that. Man, my family, they were very excited. They were very excited. They're still, like, I think it took them a little while to kind of sink in that I was doing it because I was supposed to be a nurse, but that I am cooking here. I'm a chef now, and it it took them a while to sink in, but I think now they're very proud of me. Like, they they are very proud that I am kind of taking the family legacy and trying to spread it and share it with, like, everybody now, yeah, they keep now they keep praising it they're like wow nobody in the family has done this before and like it's something very different than anybody in my family has done before so yeah but they're very excited and all in yeah
0: that's fantastic yeah it is Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I gotta remind you one more time about Certified Piedmontese. I love when restaurant menus list all the different producers and farms where their meats, cheeses, and vegetables arrive from. It gives me confidence that I'm eating a quality product because the restaurant is proud to attach its name to the brand. The same goes for beef, and that's one of the main reasons why I love Certified Piedmontese. Certified Piedmontese is farm-to-fork traceable as it purchases its cattle from a trusted network of family ranches in the Midwest. All certified Piedmontese beef is raised without hormones, steroids, or antibiotics. And it's 100% source verified by Where Food Comes From Incorporated. And when you buy certified Piedmontese, you know where your food is coming from and why it tastes so good. Place your order today on piedmontese.com with my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, and feast on delicious, safe cuts of beef with confidence. And now, back to my guest. So you mentioned that pop-up at Block 16. I actually went back and, and found an old Facebook post of yours from the Mar- from March of 2019, where you were, you were very honest. You said, as much as I wanted to share my love of Burmese food, something that I grew up with outside my two-bedroom kitchen, I was also frightened with the idea of, are they going to like it? I can only imagine, like, how intimidating... That would be, especially during those first couple pop ups when you're like, people don't, people here don't know what Burmese food is. Like, mm-hmm. is this going to work? How do you overcome that voice in your head that, that questions so you can have the confidence to confidently serve your food?
1: You just have to, I, what I have realized, I like Sagar and Division, everybody says, oh, you were just like, you just go. Like, you can just take that leap of faith and go. But no, I, I have to, like, really process it in my head. And, like, I have to take my time and decide, okay, I'm going to do it. Then I go for it. And I have learned to be very patient. And I have learned that I have, like, made truth with myself that I cannot please everybody. Like, some anything I make, not everybody is going to like it. But... I have to give it all and try it and offer it. And yes, it is like Burmese cuisine is not a very common cuisine, and especially in Midwest, I think. Uh, It's more common in, like, East Coast, West Coast. I've seen a lot of Burmese restaurants around there, not around here. So a lot of people didn't know about it and kind of skeptical, like, just to try it. But I just had to be there and just tell myself, like, it's going to take time, it's going to take time, hang in there, just keep doing what you're doing, and, yeah, just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, one day at a time. And, yeah, we just were there every day, um, just trying, offering, giving people samples, giving them taste, trying to explain them the process, trying to tell them what ingredients is in it, um, how we do it, why we do it. Um, kind of little bit of the cultural everything and I think it's working now yeah.
0: over, over those first couple months what was the response from people like I mean I'm sure that you did like you just mentioned you had to do a lot of explaining and kind of mm-hmm. introduce people to to what you were serving and clearly you know your pop-up gained some traction and it's continued to do so but what what were some of the comments and just what were your interactions with people as you as you interacted with them at pop-ups?
1: Well, um, the, of course, every since it's new to everybody, um, like they would ask a lot of questions about why, where, how, and why are you doing this? <laughs> and um, they, I think that a lot of the times, a lot of common questions are all the ingredients, like what is in it? Um, So I just had to be there and tell them, and I always, like, when people ask me, what does it taste like, I always offer them, like, would you like a sample, like, would you like to taste the broth, because I can explain it with everything in my head and everything in, like, you know, what I feel, but you probably are not going to get the same experience as I have with my food. So just giving samples, and like I said, a lot of, some people loved it, some people Hated it. Some people did not like it. No, it is. It is. There's good, bad, and all clear to everything, right? So, right. And um, some people, like a lot of people love garlic. And garlic is like one of the main ingredients in Burmese cuisine. So there are a few people who don't like garlic. So they would be like, no, this food has a lot of garlic. Or this food has like so-and-so ingredient that they don't appreciate. And there were there were a lot of mixed reviews. So I have kind of learned to take some of it, um, like read it all, read it all, take it all, listen to all of it, but it's up to me. Like I can't change it to make it likable for everybody's palate. I still want to stick to the essence of what it is, but then I want to make some changes if like 10 people are telling me the same thing, like they don't like certain thing about it. Maybe I need to look into it. So those were the things that we kind of looked but there were a lot of mixed reviews. So
0: Well, yeah, I think the what you just said there's a very healthy balance between understanding that everyone's palate is different it is. and some people like there's going to be there are dishes that I love that someone else and someone else whose palate I respect can try and be like what do you see in this man? Like this isn't very good like we and I would do the same with them. Like sometimes it's not the preparation That is the problem. It's just a different palate. So I I, I think what you just said is it's very healthy to understand that like people don't like necessarily dislike food because it's not well prepared or because it's not well done. Sometimes it's just to
1: your taste. Exactly.
0: Exactly. But clearly it was up to a lot of people's taste because you had success with the pop-ups and you start doing lunch at the Blackstone location of Kathmandu Momo station. And then you mentioned, as we were kind of going through your story, then inner rail opens yep. and Kathmandu gets a space in the inner rail yep. and you were brought on as a partner to run the restaurant. Can you kind of tell me what that process was like and what did that do for your confidence?
1: I've it's like Sagar is the mastermind behind all of this. Like we, we like have been friends for a long time. So I was doing lunch at Blackstone. And when we got offered Interrail, like that spot at NRL, Sagar said, okay, here is the deal. Let's do momos and ramen. And I was like, hold on. I was just taking little baby steps. Now you want me to like go to a full fetch, like actual location and be there every day and serve the food every day. He, he had to do some talking to me. Like he has been a mentor always. So he's like, he's like, yes, you got this. See, you were already doing this. You're doing more than you thought you were going to. And, you are, like, confident about it. Like, you know, he could see that growth in me when I couldn't. And he was the one who convinced me, like, we have to do this. And we we didn't have, like, we had a short time to get that store ready and the recipes down and everything, have a team ready. So NREL started, and we, like, first month, we were slammed. Like, first couple of days, I was overwhelmed. I was literally just down, my head down, and I'm just making ramen. (laughs) And I don't want to look at that line that's there. I just want to keep doing it. And I keep hearing, chef, you need anything else? Yes, give me this, this, this. And I'm literally not lifting my head up. I'm just making, it took me like a day or two that I'm kind of getting the hang of it. And like, after a while, like again, we we were getting reviews, we were getting a lot of good reviews, some not so good. But at that time, I was like, okay, all right, I got this. Like, now we have a good team. I have a great, like, backbone, like, this team that is always behind me. Anything happens, like, I fall, they will hold me. And I I just, it just, like, kept, I don't know, a day at a time. I think my confidence just kept building up. And we we just kept at it. And, yeah, it's it's been great. I just love being there. I love that space. I love my team. I just love like the NRL food hall overall. It's yeah, been amazing. Yeah. And like it has, it has like, I have grown a lot because of NRL. Yeah. Because of Momo station there, because of what we do there. It's, it's helped me. It's helped me with my self-confidence. It helped me grow as a person. I've always loved talking like to people like service industry. It's, been amazing to me but this has like taught me a lot about ownership like owning a business running a business being that face of the business yeah it's been surreal it's yeah
0: well yeah I mean we're talking about you know late 2018 early 19 you're (laughs) you're just starting your pop-up and then what like fall or maybe winter of 2019 is when the NRL opens that is a very Quick period that you leveled up. Yes. What was, what do you think looking back was the most important thing that you learned during that time that helped you keep your head above water and ultimately come out of success?
1: First, take a leap of faith. Like take that leap. Like I always like second doubted. Like I had always have like billions of like thoughts in my head. Can I do it? Can I do it? Will I will it work out? Or what if it won't? But now I have realized that the question you have to keep telling yourself or is what if it will work out? Like yes, yes, I can. And what if it will work out? let's do it yeah and just go for it if you you need an idea you need an idea you need a plan you need to have a team so that all goes in the background but at this point when your gut your head everything tells you like this is this is it then just go for it like the worst that can happen it you won't make it and then you try something else and yeah But like, and not every day is going to be beautiful, successful, great, busiest day ever. No, some days are just going to suck. But you just have to like, you know, it's okay. Tomorrow is a new day. Mm -hmm. It will be a better day. Just be positive, be thankful, be grateful for what life has brought, given to you, where you're at, and just keep at it.
0: Uh, I love that your takeaway is just go for it. Because that's something that I wanted to touch on, and when it comes to Saffron Urban Indian Kitchen, <laughs> which is co-owned by Sagar uh-huh. um, and your husband Dweish, yes, um, this was a concept, and I, I had Dwayish on the podcast about a month ago. This was a concept that had been in their minds for about a decade yeah. before it got off the ground and they have both told me that you were like the driving force that moved it from concept to actually being executed on in fact Sagar told me that they both call you the boss lady <laughs> because you were the you were the one who gave them the push to bring this restaurant to life why was it so important to you to get Saffron off the ground and get it opened?
1: They give more credit to me than I I deserve. It's them. It's it was Divis and Sagar's idea. Divis has been dreaming about this for lastly, yeah, about a decade now. And Sagar and him, like like for years I have heard them. Like whenever they hang out, they always talk about this amazing inn and restaurant someday they're going to have and this and that. I just try to keep them practical and not get away with, like, too many ideas and go, like, in their fantasy worlds. I'm like, okay, no here, but this is reality. Come back, come back here. <laughs> it was, and it is important to all of us. It's, it's like, everybody's, I think, the entire team's, like, dream come true. It's very important to me Especially because of Divish, like he has dreamed for this for a long time we have we have worked in service industry together for a long like twelve years, and I have seen how much he has wanted this, so I wanted to help them in any way I could. I have always been um I was always like more front of the house person, so uh, I knew like with all these years of experience, like I'm not. I I think I'm good at it. I'm not, like, excellent, but I know I'm good at it. And I want to learn more, and I want to teach more. As I'm teaching or training people, I'm learning, too. So I learn from them. They learn from me. And I enjoy the experience. I enjoy all the experience. I enjoy just the entire, like, fine dining or casual dining, this experience, giving people that um, dining experience when they come in and they see, like, their servers are added or the food coming out in a certain way or how it's plated or all that. Like, I enjoy doing that wine service, like all of that. So I just tried to kind of help them with the experience I had. Like, okay, this is what I know, and this is what I have researched. So this is what you can work with (laughs) or from my point of view. And they took it. They made something beautiful out of it. But, like I said, they give me more credit than I deserve. I'm just out there standing greeting customers, helping them, being there to help them out with anything that I can help them with, um, trying to train or train or teach the servers in front of the house about any service experience that I have learned or I have like seen and been impressed by when I go somewhere else. So I'm just there to help them and. I'm a good listener, so I just listen to them sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But as a team, we all have certain exper- expertise in different things. And I think it, all together, it works well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it is Saffron is very special. And I hope it does well. I know it does. It'll do well.
0: It's off to a fantastic start. Uh, My wife and I, we went during the soft opening and absolutely loved our meal. First of all, it's just a beautiful space. Like, regardless of what we were eating there, it would be delicious. But the food was tremendous. I would highly encourage anyone listening to this, check Saffron out. It is, it's a special spot. Now... I find it interesting in that at at Saffron, you kind of have gotten to spread your front of the house wings a little bit Mm -hmm. more and kind of get out. And like you mentioned, think more about plating, think more about the diner experience Mm -hmm. necessarily. Like what has that process been like for you? Because I, I think in so many kitchens or in so many restaurants, the front of the house and the back of the house are just so separated and both places kind of have their heads down in their one location now that you've gotten a chance to kind of be a part of both worlds, what's that been like?
1: It's, I love it. I enjoy it. It's, um Devis and me, we have uh, worked in, like in the past in restaurants where he has been the chef, I have been the server. So we kind of already had that um kind of chemistry gotcha. working together. Um right now I'm not technically serving but I'm out there just kind of watching to see what sort of communication is working or what is not or um what can we do more to make this a lot more smoother process or give a better experience to our customers so I was like in the past like I said I've done server I've served for many many years and I have met amazing people through service industry. It has given me a lot and I have loved it. So here I am just like watching, sharing another part of the um, service industry or the food industry that I love. And I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. And I, like I said, I'm trying to just be there and see like, what can I do? What input can I give them that will make it a little smoother process between the front of the house and the back of the house, be it just letting servers know what would be a better way of communicating with the kitchen staff or what would be a better way of, I don't know, table service or yeah, just little things like that.
0: Something I think is really interesting and you have a unique perspective on is you have been deeply involved just in the past couple of years in the creation of two new concepts. One, August Burmese ramen started as a pop-up and has risen up and saffron started as a brick and mortar right from the beginning. Like yep. it was just established. What was, what in your mind do you think was like the biggest Difference between those two things, kind of having one that started really small and kind of rose up versus Saffron is like super, like great location, super built out from day one. I I don't really even know what I'm asking. Just like, (laughs) what was it like to be a part of both of those different experiences and see the pros and cons of each?
1: Um, I I didn't like. With like, I guess Burmese ramen. I honestly didn't know what to expect. We just like went for it. Like, let's just do this and see what like with this was action first. Then we are getting reviews. Then we are doing our research. Then we are like, OK, this is working. This is not working versus saffron. here. We needed that research first. We are like, what will work? What will not work? okay, this location, what are the pros, what are the cons? So we had to do all that with saffron ahead of time versus doing like pop-ups or billing, I guess, Burmese ramen with Kathmandu Momo Station. It's a completely different experience, which both I enjoyed. Kathmandu Momo Station helped us grow and taught us all these things that we needed to establish something which we actually used at saffron we are like okay we already know this we already know what the people want we already know what the customer want so now and we have these expertise so now let's use these here and give them a completely new experience now so it's been very different but yeah building Kathmandu Momo station uh, I guess Burmese ramen um, doing this for the last couple of years has given us that confidence and strength, which we could actually use at Saffron. So yeah, that has helped a lot, but it's been very different.
0: I can only imagine, but I'm yeah, I'm sure your experience helped quite a bit in getting that up off the ground. Um, as, as we kind of wind down here, I've got two questions that I like to ask just about everybody that I have on the podcast, and I definitely want to get your opinions on these. The first one is, What is one thing that you think people who haven't worked in the hospitality industry, they don't know, but they should know about it?
1: Uh, With hospitality and food industry, we, um, we put a lot of love into the work that we do. And especially for times like this with like pandemic and everything, we, are, we all have been through this. We are, like, hanging in there trying to take one day at a time. Everybody has their own struggles, you know, like with be it finances or be it staffing, be it any other challenges. We all are struggling. And not um, everybody, like, understands that aspects of those things. So I just say, like, we are giving it all. We are trying to, like, give you the experience that you want. So be patient. Be, just be patient, be appreciative. And, like, there, it's a, about approach, you know, how you, like, if you don't like certain things or it didn't turn out the way you want it to be, um, we would want to know about those. But, like, like I said, it's about approach. Like, you can approach us a certain way. You don't. But I say just be patient, and we are trying our best. Just try to understand what goes behind the doors. Or the, just think of the aspects that does not happen in a household. Like running a business is completely different thing than cooking at home, right? So, yeah, it is difficult for everybody right now, but just let's be nice to each other. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah.
0: the most important thing you said there is there's a difference between giving respectful feedback even constructive feedback
1: exactly. versus
0: getting angry or just going home and getting on yelp and mm-hmm.
1: writing a bad yeah. review
0: and stuff that 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 kind of those kind of things don't help at all
1: no like we we all understand like right now like you go to restaurants there is a long wait time it it has happened to me i'm sure it has happened to you it has happened to everybody right now because everybody's struggling in different ways but we need to understand that, like as a customer, I need to understand that. You need to understand that. Everybody needs to understand that. But we um, we want to give you like this amazing experience that you pay for or that you are there for. But yeah, be respectful of everybody. Uh, we welcome your criticism. We welcome your reviews. But yeah, let's be patient and be nice to each other. And just that's that just helps a lot. That that is a motivation. You
0: know. Mm-hmm. I think I might have told this story on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I apologize listeners if this is repetitive, but I actually went out to brunch with my wife, I don't know, six weeks ago, something like that. And it took about 40 minutes for us to get our food and it did seem a little bit longer. But I, as I like, started to notice what was going on in the restaurant, I noticed that there was one person who was working the floor, like she was the cashier, she was everyone's waitress, she was bussing tables, she was doing everything. And it was just like, Oh, wow, like it was it was it was eye opening for me. And it was like, you know what, it's okay, if I have to wait a little bit longer for my food, like, if the worst thing that comes out of this is I get to spend more time hanging out with my wife, like, am I really complaining about that? Like, it's it's okay to just be patient. Like you mentioned, there's pandemic related issues, there's staffing issues. Patience is key mm-hmm. right now.
1: It, it is. Hospitality industry, service industry is a beautiful place. Like, you know, we all want to help each other out. Like, once you are in service industry and you go somewhere else, like you own a restaurant or you are related to food business, you go somewhere else, you understand that. But for somebody who is completely not in the business or not in the industry, that is what, like... I would, like, I would request, like, you know, just think about that and um, be appreciative of what we have, be grateful of what we have got, and everybody, I, I am positive that everybody is trying very hard right now, everybody is struggling, but yeah, just be respectful, positive, be nice to each other, be patient
0: that's just good advice for any part of life. Just be nice to each other. All right, let's, let's end this thing on a positive note. What is your favorite part about being a part of the restaurant industry?
1: My favorite part. I think like I have always enjoyed talking to people like being out there, talking to customers, getting people's reaction, learning, meeting people. Uh, Like I said, I have been serving or been in the service industry for the last 12, 13 years. And I meet amazing people that I have known them for like last 10 years and they're still a part of my life. I actually got a family here through service industry. Like I have American family here. My parents, I met, they were my regular customers. Now they're my family. So the best part is being out there talking to people, learning about them, telling them about my culture, about me, just making that connection that network just being out there and yeah like getting to meet a lot of variety of people personalities i i just enjoy that part like i be like i said i enjoy the front of the house experience and i enjoy talking to people i enjoy learning about people learning cultures meeting all different people yeah that i think is the best part and plus the growth like i can see myself learning things every day yeah so i have grown a lot with with all this experience and i enjoy it i'm very grateful for it
0: yeah. that's amazing and omaha is grateful for everything that you've done so thank you listeners if you're in the exarban area or heck you don't have to be in the area make it a destination <laughs> to get down there go to the inner rail check out kathmandu momo station you can get some uh, some Burmese noodle soup, some ramen. You can get that wonderful tea salad. You can join me in trying that for the first time. Or you can head, what, like a block or two across the street, basically. Yep. Go to Saffron. Get a wonderful <laughs> Indian experience. Get some delicious drinks. It's just a very fun place. Um, uh, yeah, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show, but also just, honestly, for being brave and for being willing to step out and say, you know what, I am going to do something that no one else is doing in Omaha. If not for you, I would have never gotten a chance to try Burmese food. And as someone who loves trying different cuisines and getting an opportunity to see what different types of food are out there, that's very meaningful to me. So thank you so much for doing that, for putting in the hard work um, that went into establishing that pop-up and now restaurant. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was a real pleasure.
1: Oh, you are very kind, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I was very nervous about it, but I enjoyed talking to you.
0: Could not tell (laughs) the nerves at all. You crushed it. No surprise whatsoever.
1: Thank you. You're very kind.
0: I I do try. (laughs) All right, Omaha. As always, thanks for eating with us.
1: A Huda Media Production.